Thank you for that singing. You may be seated as pastor comes at this time. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for everybody who has participated in the service so far. I want to um, just encourage you to continue to pray for Christine. Um, for those of you who are missions-minded people and love the history of missions, uh, we can throw out the name Adoniram Judson, right? Uh, he was the, the man who kind of brought missions to the forefront it was not called uh, the Myanmar Republic at the time. It was Burma, um, but uh, great ministry there. Uh, and, and many of the Christians that are there now will be able to trace their roots back to that faithful ministry there. Um, so praise the Lord for... And, and you know, while he was there, he didn't think he was having an effective ministry. Um, so praise God for what uh, has the outcome of his ministry and what it looks like today there. Um, I do have a few things that I want to share with you with regard to prayer requests that I did not uh, share earlier. Um, let's continue to pray for Wanda. Um, sh- her days are more um, bad than good, I think is what we could say uh, recently. Uh, the Parkinson's continues to advance in her body. Um, so let's pray for her. Let's pray for Mike as he cares for her as well. I know that they would love your prayers. They would love to hear from you either by text or an email or even a phone call. Uh, so if you want to reach out to them, they would certainly appreciate that. Uh, I talked to my brother yesterday. He's not doing very well. Um, still runs a fever. In fact, uh, if he's not taking Tylenol all the time, he's up about 104. Um, so he's got a pretty bad infection that going on there. Uh, hopefully he can get in to see a urologist here in the coming week uh, up here in Syracuse. Uh, that's what we're praying for. Um, Uncle Bud and Aunt Sheila will be returning to Maryland this, this afternoon, so they would appreciate your prayers. Um, they normally join us online. Um, they get the gold star uh, probably for faithfulness on, in online attendance. Um, and then when we have special events, they just show up. Uh, so it's nice to have you guys with us this morning. We'll pray for them as they make their way back to Maryland um, and re- resume their online faithfulness with us. All right. Um, then one other announcement, just by way of information, passing it on to you. I don't know how many of you guys have heard of Ken Davis. Um, he's a Christian comedian. Uh, he makes you laugh. Sometimes he makes you laugh till you cry. Um, but he is going to be um, putting on a a concert, a show, whatever you want to call it, on Friday um, at the Gathering Place in North Syracuse. Uh, so if you're interested in going to that. Um, we could maybe make a thing of it. Uh, I think Barb and I are planning on attending unless something comes up. Um, but uh, you can buy your tickets at the door for $18. If, you're, if you want to go together, let me know, <clears throat> and uh, we'll make a plan to make that happen. Um, then we want to ask you also to continue to pray for the, Seedman, uh, the Friedman family. Um, they are all over the covid Okay, but they got some other health issues going on as well, uh, and I know that they would appreciate your prayers for them. Uh, Mark was here last night, but the rest of the family not uh, not able to make it out. So if you would pray for, uh, especially Mary Jo, they would appreciate that. Reach out to them, let them know you're doing so. They would uh, they would be grateful to hear from you. All right, let's start with a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump into our study this morning. 
Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We thank you for the privilege of being here. It's a great day. Uh, Any day we can gather together with brothers and sisters in Christ to worship you uh, in the house of the Lord is a wonderful day. Uh, We celebrate Sundays because it's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. It's the day that you conquered death, you defeated the grave, you beat Satan, uh, and, and you made it is finished a reality in the lives of countless numbers of people. So we're thankful, Father, for the privilege that we have of celebrating the Lord's Day. We ask now that as we dive into your word this morning, that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us, that you would help us to learn from your word and to become more like our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. All right, so this morning, we're taking a bit of a break from our study in the book of 1 Peter, eventually we're going to finish that chapter, chapter 1, okay? Uh, Next time we're together in 1 Peter, we will finish it. But I thought we were at a good place to uh, just take a a moment to stop and think of where we are as a church. Um, I've entitled this message, uh, A Church That Reaches, Okay, a church that reaches. Now, in your minds, you might be thinking, what does that mean, a church that reaches? Reaches for what? Well, we could talk about reaching for a lot of things. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, I reach or I press on towards the mark for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's part of our reaching. Um, you might be thinking, well, what are we reaching? We're reaching for more people. We're reaching for more money. We're reaching for, uh, that's really not what we're reaching for. Okay, what you and I as, as Calvary Baptist Church of Preble are reaching for, we're reaching to be a church that reaches others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to be people who have an impact in the lives of others. We want to make a difference in our community. And last night was part of making that difference. Um, we were here last night saying thank you, making a statement of appreciation and honor for our fire department. Okay, What we did last night was not for us necessarily as a church, but it was for our fire department. But if I'm honest with you, the underlying goal for doing uh, the spaghetti dinner and fundraiser last night was to let people in Preble and in Homer and in Little York and in Cortland and in Tully and the surrounding areas to know that we are a church that loves our community. We are a church that loves the people that God has placed in and among us where we serve. And we want to make a difference. Last night, several people received uh, literature as they came and went, uh, and they passed by that table to make their purchases. They left. Thank you, Uncle, or thank you, Paul and Aunt Sheila, for making sure people got those, those little tracks in their hands. We want people to know that we are a church that loves them that loves the people where God has placed us to minister to. It was a successful night by all accounts. Um, We're we're a small church. We live in a very small town. And and to be able to say, hey, we raised $3,500 is a good statement. But it's not a statement about Calvary Baptist Church. It's a statement about what God is doing in our midst. And so to that, to the success of last night, we say, to God be the glory and, and thank you, God, for the people who have come alongside and helped. If you read my Facebook post, I've mentioned two people specifically, and I know it's a dangerous thing to do, but I think all of us would want to this morning say thank you to Amanda for all of the work that she, and, and here's, here's a testimony of that. Um, Uncle Bud picked me up on Friday to, to go and do something, and he, and he said, what's that lady's name that's, that's downstairs? And I said, it's Amanda. She's been here all day. 
Yeah, she was. She was here all day and into the night. And then halfway through, Kirsten showed up and then Mark showed up. And so it's been a great opportunity for us as a church to work together. And then last night, uh, most of you that are sitting here this morning were here last night to help and to serve. So to you, I want to say thank you. Thank you for all that you do, not just for a spaghetti dinner, but for Calvary Baptist Church as a whole and for what you do to make this church what God wants it to be. We haven't arrived, though. We've got a long way to go. And until God takes us home uh, via the rapture, we're going to try to be as faithful as we can as we reach out and minister in our community. On Tuesday, we're going to do something else to show that we want to be a part of our community and we want to serve in whatever ways we can. We will be hosting here at our church the 2021 elections for the town of Preble. Now, some of you might say, well, why in the world would you do that? Well, some in our community are asking the same questions. I shared this with our pastors, uh, with the leadership team meeting uh, for the Northeast Leadership uh, Network. I shared this with them and, and some of the struggles that we've been facing and encountered as a result of opening our church building up to host the elections. And uh, Brian King said, well done. Good for you, good for Calvary Baptist Church, good for you to be willing to take the blows, take the hits, and yet still minister. Can I tell you this? If, if we didn't open our doors for voting here in our church, there really isn't any place else in Preble that they can vote. Because the, the fire department, although they've been gracious and have for many, many years opened up their doors, uh, they've also been told that they're not ADA compliant. So that poses a problem. Because our building is new, we are completely ADA compliant. We have everything we need. We have plenty of room. Uh, And so we said, yes, by all means, please come and use our building. Why? Because we love Preble. We love Preble, New York, and we love Little York, and we love Homer, and we love the people that God places in our midst, and we want to serve them. We want to minister to them. You may remember uh, when we candidated that we were told that we are considered as the other church in town. And I said, well, we don't have to be the other church. We can be the church in town. And I've heard comments that we are the church in town. Not to our glory, but because we have a desire to serve our great God. And by serving our great God, we want to serve our community. So thank you for all you do. And don't, get, don't, don't become complacent. Don't say, okay, we've done enough. Because we've never done enough. Until more people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, we want to be pressing on. We want to be individuals who will reach our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning we want to take a look at a portion of scripture that has some similarities to where we are, I think, in the life of Calvary Baptist Church. But before we do, I want you to think about the great potential that we as Calvary Baptist Church have as a body of believers. We live in a day. The days in which we live are so different. I'm going to unplug this thing because it's uh, making me a little chilly. By the way, where are those brownies? Do, do we, I, don't, I don't see that we need them at this po- point in time. But if we do, we will, we, will, we will bring them out. Okay, where are we as a church? What are we doing as a church? Well, I think that we live in days that are uh, 
unprecedented days. And that's, that word has been used a lot, but I think it's true. We live in challenging days. We live in different days. But you know what is true about the day in which we live? We live in a day in which people are looking for answers. They want to know why is this happening. They want to know why would a God do this to us? Well, can I tell you right from the get-go that God didn't do this to us? God didn't bring COVID upon us. God allowed COVID to happen, but why did he allow it? I believe he allowed it so people would begin to stop and think in the busyness of life, I need to slow down. I need to see where God is in all of this. And what we can tell people is that our God, the God of heaven, the God of the scriptures, the God of the Bible that we read and want to make the priority in our lives, the God of heaven, the one true God, allowed this to happen because he wants you to stop and think about him. He wants you to realize the bad news. What's the bad news? Well, the bad news is that every person who has ever been born into this world, with the exception of one whose name is Jesus, is a sinner. That's bad news, and it gets worse. Not only are you a sinner, and by the way, I'm talking to all of us that are in this room, Not only are you a sinner, but you are on your way to hell unless, and I believe that this fits most of us, unless you have a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Is there a time in your life where you bowed your heart and your head before almighty God and you said, God, I am a sinner and I know that I'm a sinner and I know that my wages, what is due me because I am a sinner, is separation from you forever, for all of eternity in a place called hell. That's the bad news. That's as bad as it gets. You, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, will be separated from God in a place called hell. And that place called hell is not a nice place. It's a place that will forever burn with fire and brimstone. There will never be an out for you in hell. Can't get worse than that. But we have the message of good news. That's what the gospel is. It's the message that says, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your personal savior, if there is a time in your life where you've confessed your sins before almighty God and said, God, I am a sinner and I want to accept the work of Christ on the cross of Calvary and I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my savior, and I want to serve him with my life, then God will be your savior. He will accept you into his family. In fact, he has ordained for you to be part of his family if you come and receive him as your Lord and Savior. We've been talking about that and the whole topic of election in our study in First Peter and then again uh, on one of our Sunday nights before uh, the comings were with us. We've been learning and we've been reminding ourselves of how loving our God is, how gracious he is, how much he wants to be in a relationship with us. So if you're here this morning, if you're watching online and you never have a time in your life where you've bowed your heart and head before Almighty God, confessed your sins, and asked Christ to be your Savior, we'd love to talk with you this morning after the service. We'd love to introduce you to our Savior, Jesus Christ, because that, my friends, is the good news. That is, my friends, the answer to the COVID crisis. It's the answer to the financial crisis. It's the answer to every problem that you have. Because once you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, those other things take their rightful place in your life in the background. They don't become the focus of your life anymore. 
Jesus becomes the focus of your life, and Jesus has promised to be with you every step of the way and to meet all of the needs that you may have in your life. We as a church are made up of people that God has equipped to reach people with the gospel message. There's not a person in this room this morning that knows Jesus Christ as their Savior that can't take that very message to somebody else and see God do a work in their lives. We just have to be willing messengers to take that good news to whoever God brings across our path to share the good news with. With all of this potential, we would be falling short of God's desire for us if we are not thinking about reaching others in our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a couple of verses in the book of Acts that I want to remind you of. And then we're going to talk about what was happening in those churches and see if there's a possibility of Calvary Baptist Church doing what those churches did. Would you open your copy of the scriptures with me this morning to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, we're going to read verses 26 through 31. So would you stand together as we read Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 31. It's up on the screen, we'll read together, so we're all reading from the same version. Acts chapter 9, starting with verse 26. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus, and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Father, thanks for this passage of scripture that reminds us what we as a church need to be doing and how we need to be moving forward. We ask that you would encourage us as we spend time in your word this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. Verse 31 of the passage that we just read said, Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. They were multiplied. Then if you want to jump over to Acts chapter 16, verse 5, we read, So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. You know what I see in this passage of scripture? I see a church that is growing. I see a church that is reaching others with the good news of Jesus Christ. I see a church that has a desire to be all that God wants it to be. What we have seen in the early New Testament churches, if you're to study through the book of Acts, is that these churches are growing and multiplying regularly. They're not content with where they are currently, but their desire is to reach more and more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be great if Calvary Baptist Church could follow the example that we see in the book of Acts as being a church that reaches and reaches and reaches and is never satisfied with the number of people that we have 
had the opportunity to bring to Christ. It's, and let me tell you this, it's not about filling the seats in our worship center. It's not about, the, am I saying that I don't want to see that happen? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that that's not the reason that we want to see more people come to know Christ as their Savior. The reason we want to see people come to know Christ as their Savior is we want to see them spared from a Christless eternity. We want to see them ushered into the presence of heaven. And whether they come to Calvary Baptist Church or not, that's kind of beside the point. It's not about building one's kingdom here on earth. It's about adding to the kingdom of God, and we want to see others come to know Christ as their Savior. We want to be a faithful church where we see God at work. How did it happen in these New Testament churches? Well, let's take a look. I think we see here in Acts chapter 9 the ingredients to be a church that reaches. And by reaches, I mean reaches others for the cause of Christ. In Acts chapter 9, verse 26, the first thing that we see here is the idea of trust. Trust. Trust is an element when you bring several people together in a, in a, in a, in a body, in a group. It's sometimes a difficult thing to, first of all, achieve and then maintain. Trust is something that is absolutely essential, though, in a church setting. We must trust, first of all, the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And then we must trust our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we must trust our leadership. Okay, can I tell you that in the church at Jerusalem, when we're reading this in Acts chapter 9, they had a problem with trust. It was lacking. How do you know that, Pastor? Well, verse 26 says, and when Saul had come to Jerusalem, look at that phrase, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Translated, they did not trust him. And you know why? And, and, and let me say, they had good reason not to, okay? Saul was not a nice guy prior to knowing Jesus as his Savior. In fact, you know what Saul was? He was a murderer. He put people to death who followed Jesus Christ. And in fact, the day he got saved, that's what his intent was. He was on the road to Damascus to bind up people to bring them back, to put them on trial, and to put them to death. And by the way, that trial would not have been a fair trial. Well, I suppose it was, because they said, do you, know, do you follow Jesus? Yes, okay, you're done for. So I guess it was fair, but it wasn't really fair to put them to death for following after Jesus Christ. You see, Saul had a reputation as being a not-so-nice guy. So how would you like to be Simeon who God said, go talk to this man Saul? Uh, are you sure you want me to do that? Are you sure that's the best idea? Uh, could we come up with a different plan? Could somebody else do that? No, that's not what Simeon said. So he said, okay, if that's what you want me to do, I will do it. You see, Simeon trusted God, not just for his salvation, but for his safety and his security and for the outcome of his meeting with the Apostle Paul. Those in the church in Jerusalem, they knew Saul's reputation. They knew what his desire was to do amongst the churches, and that was to wipe them out. You see, if Saul didn't come to know Jesus as his Savior, Saul would have had an ongoing, never-ending profession. Because Jesus said, I will build my church. And as long as Jesus is building his church, there's going to be Christians to persecute. And Saul would have been able to do that indefinitely. But instead, God changed Saul's life. 
from the inside out. God took Saul and made him Paul. Made him the greatest missionary that ever lived. Sorry, Christine, you, don't, you can't take that title. Um, uh, the greatest missionary that ever lived. God used Paul in amazing ways. But it was hard at first. He went to the church of Jerusalem all by himself. Didn't have anybody there. And he tried to join the church. He tried to get involved in the church. He tried to get active in the church. And they're like, why don't you go to the church down the road? Why don't you go someplace else? Maybe it would be better if you went to a different church. And then along comes this guy by the name of Barnabas. What a man. What a saint Barnabas was. In fact, his name means son of encouragement. He found out about this guy named Saul. And he came alongside of Saul and he put his arm around him and he says, you come with me. We're going to church. And Saul and Barnabas went to church and Barnabas said, hey, listen, this man has been called of God. This man has been, has been pointed out, has been appointed by God to go and, and bear the name of Jesus Christ. We need to let him do that work. We need to let him be who God called him to be. The elders of the church of Jerusalem began to think about Barnabas and his recommendation of Saul and the relationship that had formed between them. And, and they began to say, hey, okay, Saul, let's get together. Let's work together. Let's reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of that ministry, relations were established, relationships were established, fellowship was established, and, and Saul became an important part of that church. As time passed, the Lord used then Saul and Barnabas, later Paul and Barnabas, to impact others with the gospel message. Take a look at what Luke records for us in verse 28. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists. The Hellenists were opposed to Christianity, opposed to following Christ. They wanted to stay in, in tune with the, the Judaistic ways. They were very staunch Judaistic followers, and, and, and Saul knew all about that because that's what God saved him out of. He disputed with them. In other words, he, he communicated with them and he shared the gospel with them and pointed them to the way of Christ. Saul became such a good defender of the faith and a proclaimer of the good news that some wanted to do to him what he had done to others. And you know what that was? They wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him. But the very ones that didn't trust him in the beginning came to his aid and helped him escape. We see how the relationship between Paul and the Jerusalem elders grew. That lack of trust was done away with. God replaced it with a, a working relationship of love and trust. Trust was built, and as a result, that trust was, a, was effective ministry accomplished for the honor and the glory of the Lord. Hey, trust can sometimes be broken, but it can always be repaired by the grace of God. By the, by the work of God in an individuals or in individuals' lives, trust can be repaired, rebuilt, and you can move forward. How did it happen? How is this trust rebuilt? Well, I think we find it in verses 27 through 30 where we see teamwork unfolding. As you read throughout the entire book of Acts, it's easy to see that Paul's ministry is characterized by teamwork. In this passage, we see that Barnabas was the one who initiated the teamwork at this point in Saul's life. 
Um, this is the beginning of a team that God was going to use to spread the gospel and to grow churches and to plant churches around the known world. If you have in your Bible maps in the back, you don't have to do this now, but many Bibles have maps. And you know what those maps, several of those maps talk about? The missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. If you look at those missionary journeys and you kind of study them out, you see how much of the world Paul and Barnabas or Paul and Timothy or Paul and Titus or Paul and Luke or Paul and somebody else were, they they were able to cover most of the known world by the grace and strength of God and make an impact in the world that was beyond our belief and our understanding. God used the Apostle Paul in an amazing way. God would use this team of Paul and Barnabas to open wide the door of the gospel to the Gentile world. Wouldn't it be great if God used the the people of Calvary Baptist Church to open wide the doors of the gospel to Little York and Tully and Homer and Cortland and Preble and and the surrounding areas? You know, I, I wrote a letter to several businesses to help with our auction and, and I, I, mean, I went as far away as, as Clay, all the way down to Ithaca. And I told these people that this is where the people of Calvary Baptist Church of Preble shop. Wanted them to feel like we were supporting their business. It's not only where we shop, it's where we have impact with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's where we have the opportunity to spread the good news, the life-changing message of salvation. For that to happen, though, as a church, Calvary Baptist Church must be united. We must have that desire to reach others in creative ways with the gospel message. And I use that phrase, creative ways. You know what that means? That means we might have to be stretched a little bit, stretched out of our comfort zones, I don't know about you, but I wasn't really overly comfortable last night. Ben chuckles because, because ben, was, ben had never organized an online auction before. Ben had never set up PayPal accounts for auctions and square card readers and all that kind of stuff. Stretched a little bit. Yes, he's an IT guy, but, but still stretched beyond our normal comfort zone. When we first started about started this, Aunt Sheila said, oh, I've done those before. So she sent us notes and, and different information about how we can do it, how we can do it effectively. As they, they arrived on Thursday and they kept saying, hey, check, remember this, think about this. Uh, so it was helpful to have those ideas coming our way. But you know what? Whether or not we ever do another spaghetti dinner, we have to still be creative in how we present the gospel and how we communicate the love of Jesus Christ to others. Why do people resist coming into the church to vote? Because it's a church. It's a church. Do you know how many people today come into church just because they want to come to church? Unless you know Jesus, not very many. Unless you have a family history of going to a particular church, not very many people. Young people that are growing up today, they're not people who are in the habit of going to church. So how do we reach them? Well, you pray about it, you think about it, and you have an idea, you share it with us. 
We want to be creative in how we reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This idea of teamwork, it's absolutely essential to reach others. Here's some things to think about. When establishing a team, those that make up the team must have a good reputation. Those who make up the team must have a good reputation. A reputation of being faithful to the things of the Lord. A reputation that people will look at and say, hey, those people are worthy of listening to because they are faithful. We drive by every Sunday morning and we see the cars are there, people are there, and they're worshiping their God. They believe in what they're doing. They believe in the cause of the gospel. Timothy, young man who Paul had the opportunity to disciple. Timothy was well spoken of by the brethren and all the churches in the area. Young Timothy sent to this place called Thessalonica. Young man, first time really of being on his own in ministry. And and the Bible says he was well spoken of. He was accepted, why? By the, he was accepted by the leaders of the church because he had a good reputation. You and I want to strive to maintain that good reputation in our community as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's something to be said also about the way we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message that we have is no doubt an offensive message. If you went up to somebody straight off the bat and said, hey, you're a sinner. It's not really going to win you over. It's not the first thing in how to win friends and influence people in that book. It's not there. But you know what? If we love on them, if we show a compassion and a concern for them and build a relationship with them and and have the opportunity then to share the good news with somebody... They're going to much more receive, much better receive it than they will if we just kind of beat them over the head with it. The message is offensive, but we don't have to be offensive in our deliverance of the message. We want to make sure that we're loving the people that we communicate the good news with. The next thing that's necessary or true about teamwork is Paul desired to remove the distractions from the ministry. He wanted to remove whatever distractions that the world might say, hey, we don't need to do that. So when I went to the health department to get our permit, yes, we had to have a permit for the event last night. I asked them, what do we need to do to make sure that we are in compliance with everything that you require of us? We want to make sure that we're doing everything the way we have to do it. We don't want to be, we don't want to be outside the bounds. We don't want to be pushing the boundaries. We want to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. So they said, Head coverings, aprons, gloves, and masks for anybody serving food. Really? We could have put up a stink. We could have said, ah, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. No, we want to remove the distractions because we were asking people to come in and be a part of this event, and we didn't want to send the wrong message. We wanted to send a message that we love you and we are concerned for you and we're going to do whatever we can do to remove the distractions. Here's an example right here in the pages of scripture, okay? I'm not making this up. Young, young Timothy, was his mother was a Jew, his father was a Gentile. And, and so Paul says, I want to take Timothy on these missionary journeys with me. But he was going to Gentile places, which makes sense, right? Because God called him to be the apostle to the Gentiles, So he takes, the first thing he does is he takes young Timothy 
And I don't know where they did it, and I don't care where they did it. Probably not as nice as what we have it done today. But he took young Timothy to the place that he needed to go to to have him circumcised. What are you doing, Paul? No, no, no. These people are going to ask about Timothy and if he's been circumcised. So he took and he removed the distraction. He didn't want that to hinder the most important message that they were communicating, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he removed that bone of contention. And since there was nothing wrong with circumcision, Paul had Timothy circumcised not to improve his relationship with the Lord. It wasn't a works-based relationship that Paul was working towards for Timothy and the Lord. It was a let's remove the barriers, let's remove whatever might hinder the communication of our message. Understand this, Paul was not compromising on the message in any way. No compromise at all as far as the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he did certainly have a desire to be effective in ministry, so he removed whatever barriers he had to remove to make that happen. And and in the process, made sure that he was honoring God in the decisions he made. And then we see that Paul remained focused on the essentials. Paul chose rather to focus on the message that needed to be communicated to the churches. That message was the decision reached by the apostles and the elders at the church in Jerusalem. This is the message that we must communicate to others. And in essence, it's the message that God has sent down to us to communicate to others. When Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, what did he say? He said, teach them the things that I have taught you. Teach them the message of Jesus Christ. That's the essential. To be a church that reaches out, is to, it's important for us to focus on the essentials. You know what? Sometimes our human, and I'm guilty of this, sometimes our human nature is to be negative. To talk about what's negative, to talk about, I don't like this and I don't want this. But you know what? The problem with focusing on the negative is that we tend to end up being negative and sending a negative message. Luke helps us to remember that we shouldn't focus on the negatives. We need to focus on what is positive. And what's more positive than the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? The fact that that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die in your place to die for you because there was no other way to be reconciled to a holy God. Jesus died for you. We, we, you know the verse I love to quote, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated or God commended his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the message that you and I communicate to others. It's the message that will positively impact a person's life throughout all of eternity. The rest of these verses that we're looking at here remind us of, the, of, of what part of the essentials are. Luke says they were strengthened in the faith. Strengthened in the faith. The faith is also essential in our ministry. What is this faith? Well, we've learned from Hebrews 11 some important things about this faith where the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 11, now faith... You know this verse. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
That's Hebrews 11, 11, 6. It goes on to say, for by it, for by what? For by this faith that we're talking about, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony, or what? A good reputation. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen are not made of the things which, were not made of things which are visible. The faith that we talk about is the history of the world that God has ordained for us. God brought this world into existence by his word. He spoke it all into existence, just like he spoke the opportunity for us to be saved, to be born again. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When Jude talks about the faith, he said that we need to earnestly contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. We've defined faith many times here at Calvary Baptist Church. We've defined it this way. Believing that God is able to do what he says he will do and ordering my life accordingly. We also have talked about the fact that faith is the body of truth that has been handed down from God to his children, revealed through the written word of God. This word was recorded, written down by holy men who were born along by the Holy Spirit. So this message that we communicate is a Bible-based, the Word of God-based message. This is where our faith rests. It lies here in this book. My faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed, but in the ever-living Word of God. God. This is our basis. This is the heart of the good message that you and I contend for. You and I live our lives or strive to live our lives by the word of God based on the, based on the word that he has given to us and preserved for us down through the ages. When you and I are thinking about reaching out and reaching others, we must remember that for the health of ourselves and the health of our offspring, we must focus on the faith that is found in the pages of scripture because it is in that faith where we find our hope and our strength. And we can't do it in our own strength. Well, let's quickly move on to the last part of this idea of what makes a good team. And that's tranquility found in verse 31. Tranquility. Notice here in verse 31 that it says the churches had peace and they were edified. This word peace, it actually means tranquility. The King James reads this way. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and they were edified. Let me preface this section, uh, this section by saying that Luke is not indicating that the church sits back, puts their feet up, and does nothing. We had a, a person after we opened our new building. They came, they said, can, I, can we meet at your church? I want to see what your church is like. They were totally taken in by our chairs. These are comfortable chairs. And so they came for several weeks because we had comfortable chairs. The church is not necessarily a place to be comfortable. Now, yes, we bought comfortable chairs because you have to listen to me for 45 minutes to an hour sometimes. And by the way, you're doing a good job. I don't see anybody dozing off. But we don't don't have nice chairs just because we wanted to sit back and take it easy. 
Okay, you can, you can be comfortable for an hour while you listen to the word of God being proclaimed. But then let's go out and storm the gates of hell. Let's go out and make a difference in the lives of those that God has allowed us to influence. So it's not about being at ease. It's not about putting your feet up and, and just being here on Sunday morning. It's about being involved in the ministry of the church. When it says here that they were at ease, they had rest. It literally means they had a brief break in the persecution they were facing from the religious leaders. That's what it means when it says they were at peace. These leaders were uniting their efforts to prevent the Roman ruler from putting up a statue of himself in Jerusalem And so when the leaders, the religious leaders who had been constantly persecuting the church saw that they were going to put up a new statue. Isn't it interesting that we're talking about statues uh, in, in our history right now? We won't go into that whole area. But the Roman leader wanted to put up a statue of himself. And then the religious leaders of the day, those, those Pharisees and those Sadducees and those kind of leaders, they realize, hey, that guy's going to put up a, a statue and they're going to probably make us worship that statue. We need to do something about that. So they turned their attention from persecuting the church of God that was doing what God wanted them to do to going after the Roman ruler and putting up a fuss about that. And so during that brief respite, the church had some peace. That's all that means, that they weren't the focus of the religious leaders' persecuted attempts. I like what McDonald says in his commentary. He says, then followed a breathing spell for the churches in Palestine. It was a time of consolidating the gains they had made and of seeing the fellowship grow numerically and spiritually. Sometimes we need those breaks along the way. But we must continue to press on. If we observe what's happening in the churches at the time, we can get a good idea of what kind of environment reaching out can take place in. First of all, we see that they cultivated a growing atmosphere. The churches in the early New Testament church, the early New Testament time period that were growing, they cultivated a growing atmosphere. This word edify means to establish. It says there in verse 31, and they were edified. The word edified means to establish. It carries with it the idea of promoting growth in Christian wisdom, grace, affection, virtue, holiness, and blessedness. Can I tell you, that's what we want to do as a church. We want to grow and we want to be wise. We want to exhibit grace. We want to love others. We want to be known as people of virtue, holy, blessed individuals who in turn pass those on to others. A church cannot effectively reach out if it is not established in these things first. So let's continue to make that our goal, to be cultivating a growing atmosphere. We also see in the text here that they lived a controlled life. It says here in the text that they walked in the fear of the Lord. There's that word fear again. They walked in the, in the fear of the Lord. The idea of the fear of the Lord here has been much discussed over the years. What does it mean to fear the Lord or to live in the fear of the Lord? It's a reverential fear. We know that, but it's much more than that. The person who fears the Lord is going to give over control of his or her life to the Lord especially when it comes to spiritual and moral matters. Somebody called me earlier in the week and asked me a question. Um, 
about um, making the Lord of your life and said some other things. And I said, it sounds like you're talking about the idea of the Lordship of Christ. And he said, yeah, I am. I said, it sounds like you might be reading MacArthur's book. Yeah, I am. I said, well, let me tell you, he took a bad hit for that. It wasn't really fair what, what, what unfolded after that. But you know what the, the whole boils down to? Is that as you and I learn and grow and, and understand God's word more and more, we're continuing to yield ourselves more and more to the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. I, I have not given the Lord complete lordship of my life simply because I don't know every area that I'm supposed to yield to him in. And as God works in my heart and works in my life and the Holy Spirit convicts me of those things, I can yield more and more things to him. But it only happens as I submit myself to the word of God and learn from the word of God. It's my goal to give the Lord my entire life. But I just don't know how much, what more I can give until I learn it from the pages of scripture. So we must live a life that is controlled by the word of God and I continue to yield it over. And in essence, I am living in the fear of the Lord. This kind of control results in one's whole life being lived in such a way that it is to please God and not self. That's our goal. That's what I mean when I say they lived a controlled life. And then we see that they enjoyed the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we're going to talk about it again in a Baptist church. The Holy Spirit. Woo! That's right. Scott, I think you gave our missionary a, a bit of a heart failure last week when uh, he mentioned something about the Holy Spirit and you, you replied, yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with talking about the Holy Spirit. He's part of the triune Godhead. And we need to enjoy and, and talk about him and we need to take advantage of what he does as ministry in our lives. They enjoyed the comfort of the Holy Spirit. When we think of this word comfort, I think that we tend to think of it in a way that uh, a mother will go to her child that has been hurt and snuggled up next to them and console them. And to some degree, that is true. Last night, the kids, the grandkids were here and uh, Thea wanted to, she bent down to run underneath the table. She just didn't bend down quite far enough. And so as she was going under the table, you heard this thump. And then you heard another thud, and then you heard the tears. And, and, and Josh doesn't get over, doesn't overreact, and so he just bends down. He says, "Come here, Thea." She's crying and carrying on. Come here, Thea. You know, I don't know. I might have it was I crawled under the table if it was my, my child. It was, it was my grandchild, so I just watched dad do what dad does. He reached under, he grabbed her by the arm, pulled her out, and picked her, picked her up, and she grabbed a hold of him, and she was still crying, so grandpa went over, and I said, what's the matter? What's that noise? And she looked at me, and she smiled a little bit, and I stuck my finger on her, because I know the spot, okay? And, and I touched the spot, and she started to laugh, and she started to giggle, and I said, you feeling all better now? And so I did it some more, and eventually I was able, Josh and I were able to comfort her and to get her to stop crying. But that's only a little bit of what we're talking about here when we talk about the comfort of the Holy Spirit. There's so much more to it. The idea is of exhortation, earnest warning, important teaching. We should have followed that up with Tathia with like, sweetie, don't go underneath the table. You might get hurt again. And if you're going to do it, get all the way down. 
on your knees, slither underneath there so you clear the area. You see, the idea of this comfort of the Holy Spirit is that we, we can't just tell people what they shouldn't do and, and, and encourage them when they've done wrong. We've got to help them to know what they do so they don't get in the same situation again. They need to adjust their life in this way. It's not just a, I love you, I'm sorry. It's, I love you, I'm sorry, now let's learn from this and move on. In other words, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to come alongside of us and to teach us and to instruct us and to convict us. And we need to take our heart and adjust our lives to his teaching and to his convictions. This is going to uh, come as we do what? Same, same old, same old, Pastor. You tell it to me all the time. As we read and study God's word, the Holy Spirit is going to have material to work with. If I'm not in the Word, if I'm not studying the Word, if I'm not reading the Word, uh, it's, it's like hoping our car is going to keep going without putting any gas in it. It doesn't happen that way. Every so often, it's more often than it used to be, we have to stop at the gas station and we have to put some gas in the car because then we can keep on going. I need to be in the Word of God so I can keep on going. I need to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. Yes, He's God, but He's only going to work in my life as I'm learning the pages of Scripture, and He's going to help me apply them to my life. God's Word, key in this whole idea of reaching out and reaching others. When these things happen in the lives of the people of the local church, then the local church Calvary Baptist Church of Preble will be a vibrant, growing, thriving local church. And at that point, God will be able to use us in reaching out and reaching others in our community. I think Calvary Baptist Church is at a very exciting time in its life. God has blessed us with great tools. He's blessed us with people, with you. People that make up this church. We love the Lord. We work hard and we work well together. And when we add that to the mix, the loving community where God has placed us, we can do amazing things. God can do amazing things through us. God has blessed us with wonderful leadership within our church. And our our servants desire to press on and to accomplish his will for his glory. Men that want to be used of God to reach others. Our great God has equipped us well for for the time in which we live. He's given us an amazing building. This facility is a great tool. We don't want to just come here on Sunday mornings and soak up the preaching, soak up the word of God. We want to let this building, we want to use this building to make an impact, a positive impact in the life of others. This facility is being used in lots of ways. It's being used, first of all and foremost, for our body of believers it's being used to train others uh, as a Bible college campus to, tr- to teach men and women to go out and effectively serve the Lord. It's being used to have elections. It's being used as a food pantry distribution. Once a month, people drive through our carport and they get a box and they get information about our church and they go out and they're, they're blessed because of the ministry. God has given us some great tools and he's positioned us well to make a difference in the lives of others for all of eternity. Reaching out and reaching others is not easy, but by God's grace and enabling, 
we can do it. We can make an impact on the lives of others. I think we have some folks with this fear of the Lord that Luke mentioned uh, was present, that was present in the New Testament church. They're busy reaching others. It would be great if, we, if it could be said that every member of Calvary Baptist Church lives in the fear of the Lord. Wouldn't it be nice if people looked at us and said, boy, those people, we can tell that their lives are controlled by the word of God and by God himself. I hope you are sensitive to the exhorting of the Holy Spirit. And, and yes, I know we make fun of it. We, we joke about being Baptist and talking about the Holy Spirit. But listen, we need to pay attention to his warnings. We need to let him teach us as we read the word of God. And we need to be willing to make the necessary adjustments to our lives as he convicts us and helps us move forward. And then finally, I hope that you see, have a desire to let the Lord use this church, Calvary Baptist Church, to be a church that will be well known for loving others and well known for serving our community. Again, it's not an easy thing, but it is a process that I believe that if we are willing to follow through on the process, the Lord will use and the Lord will cause each of us to grow in our relationship with one another and with our relationship with our community and we'll have the opportunity to impact lives for all of eternity. Wherever God may send you, be faithful. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you.